Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. A very good afternoon to you. This afternoon, wonderful coming to you just a little bit earlier than we usually do. Um, going straight in to talk about things that are relevant for Judaism 101.9, being that we have so much that we need to cover. So hopefully over the next 45 minutes or so, um, best part of this hour, we'll be able to cram in as much as possible that we would love to share with you, to talk about, to think about in this session of Judaism 101.9. As we usually do, I'd like to tell you a couple of things that happened in history on this day. We'll then go on to looking at, as we have been doing over the last while, something from Pirke Avot, from Ethics of Our Fathers, and of course there, with a number of great tools for life, things that you can live by, things that are relevant not only to um, us as um, Torah scholars, if we are Torah scholars, or to rabbis, um, but actually something for everybody. And as we say always, Pirkeavot, the ethics of our fathers, is the real guide to what the Torah is about because it teaches us really how to be a mensch. And we're going to have such a discussion in a Mishnah that I'd like to go through with you, albeit rather briefly, but uh, to discuss today on Judaism 101.9. And then, of course, we're getting to the business end of this Jewish year. And when I say the business end, it's because we are about to go into the last month of the Jewish calendar year. We're going to go into the month of Elul. Yes, it's Rosh Chodesh. On Sunday and Monday, and believe it or not, that means that we have exactly one month to go till Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, who would have dreamed that we would be going into another Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur still with coronavirus around and still with many of our lockdown rules around and still with the limitations on numbers when it comes to shul, etc., as well as the fact that not everybody is vaccinated, that um, it clearly is not yet um, nearly safe enough for us to do everything that we would want to be able to do with our family events and our Rosh Hashanah dinners of note and our huge crowds in all our communities. We're looking down the barrel of once again having a Rosh Hashanah, and I mean barrel, by the way, in a very good way, um, having a Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in a... Uh, similar fashion to the one that we had last year, I guess, and I'm sure that uh, protocols will be sent out and I'm sure that we'll be um, closer to the time, a little bit better informed on exactly what's going to be happening at the shul down the road, at the shul near you, at the community that you attend. And as we um, get a little closer to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, have a little bit more of an idea of that structure. But as it stands right now, I think we are going to be pretty much on the same level, the same kind of environment and the same kind of practice as we had Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur last year. I think the only difference, and this might not be the thing that everybody is going to want to hear, because I think a lot of people enjoy it, that we had the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur last year with somewhat shortened gatherings. I think that there is not anymore that limitation on the time frames, and therefore we could probably spend a lot longer in shul 
I know that many of you are saying, oh, gee, that's like uh, not the kind of news uh, we really wanted about Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But then, of course, everything was just a little bit rushed and a little bit too quick and a little bit um, kind of um, keeping us on our spiritual toes last year, not necessarily covering, covering all the bases. And hopefully we'll have just a little bit more time this year uh, than we did last year. So coming up, we're going to be talking about this date in Jewish history. We're going to be talking about something from Pirkei Ovis, and we're going to be talking about Elul and this great month that is about to arrive upon us and how it should and will influence our lives. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So let's get straight to it. With this date in Jewish history, if we go back to the year 1843, in 1843, on this date, the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, departed from Petersburg. Now, why is this significant? It's because in 1843, the Interior Ministry of the Tsarist Government convened a rabbinical conference in the Russian capital of Petersburg. Now, that sounds wonderful. Isn't it amazing that a government would convene a rabbinical conference, but there was something really, really sinister about it. Their whole intention was to end, um, and, and, sorry, to, to, to bring about the, and the imposing of tremendous changes to Jewish communal life and religious practice. They wanted to limit certain things in Jewish education. Remember that the Tsarist uh, regime was one that was very Christocentric, or so they called themselves, and therefore anything of another type of uh, religion was taboo, and they were trying to their utmost to bring it down, to crush it, to uh, mold it, and to make certain things um, illegal, etc. Now, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Lubavitch, who was otherwise known as the Tzemach Tzedek, after the halachic work that he wrote by that name, um, he was invited. Um, and the reason he was invited was he was one of the primary figures of the leadership of the Russian jury at the time, and they needed his compliance to give legitimacy to these so-called reforms that they were carrying out as far as Jewish education, Jewish practice, etc. was concerned. Now, an amazing thing happened, and that was in this conference. So the conference in Petersburg, imagine, called by the Tsarist government, the Tzemach Tzedek is there, as well as many other rabbis. The Tzemach Tzedek stood up against everything, basically, that the government proposed, and he was arrested. Hear this. He was arrested 22 times during the course of this conference. Now, you've heard of conferences taking place, and you've heard of people being um, thrown out, and you've heard of people being um, uh, taken to task for certain things that they've done. But here, he was arrested. He was actually arrested 22 times during the course of this conference for his refusal to cooperate with the Tsarist regime, with the Tsarist government. And then he finally departed Petersburg. He was released and allowed to go home on the 26th of Av, which is today. Um, and by that time, he had actually successfully destroyed the government's campaign to disrupt Jewish education, Jewish life, etc. It was on this date, a date of great celebration, therefore, the release of the Tzemach Tzedek, um, the uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe to be able to go home after this incredibly taxing, difficult and uh, profoundly obscure and uh, amazing conference that he was forced to be a part of. Now, 
We're going to move on to our second uh, phase of this uh, presentation of uh, Judaism 101.9 with a discussion about something from Pirkei Avot. Remember, we said Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers, which we learn every Shabbat afternoon from uh, the Shabbos after uh, Pesach all the way through to uh, Shavuot. And then most people carry on learning it right up until Rosh Hashanah. And so this week we are up to chapter number five. And in Perik 5, in chapter 5 of Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers, there is so much, of course, that one could talk about. But I honed in on one particular very, very beautiful and very important um, Mishnah, not to say that any other Mishnah is not important, but this one, which has a tremendous amount of relevance, and it's kind of rhythmical. It sort of rhymes, and people may know parts of it. And it is the Mishnah that says, Arba Midas Ba'adam. There are four character types amongst men. Ha'omer sheli shelach v'shelach sheli am ha'aretz. He says, he who says, what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine, is an ignoramus. And am ha'aretz is an ignoramus. Sheli sheli v'shelach shelach zoi mida beinanis. If someone says, What's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. This is an average, middle of the road, medium kind of characteristic. However, there are some who say that this is the characteristic of the people of Sodom. Stone, Sodom and Gomorrah. Not really complimentary. If someone says, what is mine is yours, and what is yours is yours, is called chosid. That's called a pious person. Shelach sheli, v'sheli sheli rosha. And one who says, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine, is called wicked. Let's go through it. Without the Hebrew, perhaps, let's just talk about these four different types. The one who says, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine, as an ignoramus. He who says what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. This is a medium characteristic, but some say this is the characteristic of the people of Sodom. He who says what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours is called pious. That's called chosid. And the one who says what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine is called wicked. Let's break it up into its various parts and just think about perhaps what this Mishnah is telling us. Of course, we're not going to go into great depth but let's try and spend a little bit of time thinking about the power of this important Mishnah. The first point. The one who says, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine is an ignoramus. Well, I think with that, if we just think about what happened next in Russia after the Tzemach Tzedek, etc., was the fact that communism came to Russia. If we think about this statement, is this not kind of the foundation of a communist type of an environment? What's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. In other words, it doesn't matter. If I work hard and I make a living, ultimately it's yours, and where you work and you uh, uh, give to me, the uh, rabbis of the Mishnah of Pirke Ovis are telling us it's doomed to failure. That kind of system cannot fail. You take away from people's ownership, you take away from people's um, drive to earn and to uh, be able to uh, gain from God himself and to be able to take the amount that they have earned or they've made off their sale or their hard labor, 
you are destroying people. Don't think that this can possibly work. You can never say it's an ignorant statement, they say, to say what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. What's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. This is a median characteristic. Now, this sounds very wonderful. And if we think about what the person is saying, mine is mine and yours is yours. It sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Well, they say that that's reasonable when somebody comes to you and says, hey, listen, give me what is yours. And you say, hey, one second. I've earned this. This is mine. And what's yours is yours. That sounds pretty good. But it can be a very, very sodom kind of behavior where we say, hey, one second. What belongs to me belongs to me. And I'm not going to share it with you. It can lead to that Sodom and Gomorrah kind of behavior. And therefore, we've got to be extremely, extremely careful of adopting this type of an attitude. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. The South African Jewish community is alive and well and vibrant. Look at that, producing, um, and uh, not the only one, but producing so much um, to invigorate and to uplift and to channel and to excite and to keep our Jewish vibes going. Kolakavod um, to all those who are involved in every such endeavor, and not the least of which is those who are singing the tunes and keeping us vibrant and keeping our prayers continuing to go up to Shamayim. So let's uh, not only support local, but let's also think about local when it comes to the best Jewish community in the world that is the best right now and is going to continue to be best and even better in the future. It is a wonderful, wonderful um, attribute that um, our community has, the diversity, the incredible, incredible community um, from an institutional point of view and the incredible community that we have from every point of view right up to um, the music the chazonis, the uh, beautiful renditions of which we were privileged to just hear one such piece from Moshe Lichtenstein. So, Mazel Tov and Abigya Shukayach for that as well. But we were in the middle of talking about a Mishnah, and the Mishnah in Chapter 5, which we're going to study this Shabbos afternoon, where the Mishnah tells us that there are four different types of people when it comes to other things. In other words, we at first, of course, are reading this in terms of property, what I own. And we said, number one says, Shali, Shali, Veshelach, Shelach. Sorry, Shali, Shelach, Veshelach, Shali. And we said that that's an Amaharet, someone who says, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. This is called an ignoramus. Someone who says, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. This is a median characteristic, or as we said, a Sodom kind of a characteristic. This is perhaps when it comes to property, ownership, things, money, um, my wealth and what I have. I say, you know what? It's mine. I've earned it. I've done well. I've uh, made good. And the fact that you haven't, that's your problem. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. That could be a median characteristic. It could be okay for many, but it influences one perhaps to think in the way of Sodom, and Sodom was just along those lines. Um, what's yours is yours, and don't dare give anything away. Remember, they objected to people giving charity, to people giving to others. No, you encourage begging if you give to a beggar. You encourage people to be asking for more, and Torah could never, ever subscribe to such a way of thinking. We have to have 
the ability to say yes when people ask. We have to have the ability to give when people ask because this is a midah. This is a characteristic that we have got from the Almighty, from God himself. We need to understand and we need to know that um, what we have can be given away. And then we come to, of course, the third level, which is sheli, shalach, shalach, shalach. And this is called a chassid. What's a chassid is a person of kindness, a person of piety, a person of great um, spiritual power, in fact, is called a chassid. Chassid means the doer of good, a good, kind, pious person. And what is the midah? Sheli, shalach, shalach, shalach. What I have is yours. And what you have is yours as well. In other words, I don't truly have ownership of anything in this world. Who does it all belong to? It all belongs to God. And so we can perhaps add another layer onto this as phrase and onto this Mishnah. When we say that the person being addressed here, when we talk about yours, who are we talking about? We're talking about me speaking to God, the individual talking to God Almighty. You know what? What I have actually is yours. And what you have is yours too. Everything belongs to the Almighty. Nothing actually belongs to us. We take temporary loan ownership on certain stuff and certain things, but um, what we make and accrue and uh, and, uh, and 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 gain um, of a certainly of a material of a physical nature in this world never ever really belongs to us. So not only do we say that to the person in the street who comes and asks us for money or the poor person or the poor individual, but we actually are saying it to um, to uh, God Almighty. Actually, everything belongs to the Almighty. Everything belongs to God. Who am I to say that I actually own something? No. When the poor person asks me for charity, I'm not giving him what's mine. I'm giving him actually what's his. I'm giving him what actually belongs to him. I was a custodian. I'm being given the opportunity to look after it, not for myself, but for him, for others, for the people who desperately need it. And this is the midah. This is the attribute of chassid. This, in fact, is what we should all strive for. And, of course, then the Mishnah concludes by saying, shelach sheli v'sheli sheli, rasha, which means that your property is mine and my property is also mine. That is the midah of being wicked. That's a wicked person. That is a person who really should not um, um, be given any uh, right or joy or nachas or whatever, God forbid, in this world. Because that is a terrible, terrible way to be. That's wickedness. To say, you know what? Um, everything belongs to me. Everything is about me. It's mine. I made it. I created it. It's mine. What you have is mine as well. And we've got to be very, very careful here as well because there are very often people who give charity in a way whereby they actually will continue to claim that even what you have, we've got to remember that as well, what you have, what I've given to you, remember that I gave it. Remember that came from me. If we're continually reminding the uh, poverty-stricken, if we're continually reminding the needy that I am the one who put them on the map, that I'm the one who gave them the food, that I'm the one who allowed them and enabled them to be able to live, to eat, to endure, well, I'm saying the same thing there. It's a mita, it's an attribute in fact, of wickedness, says the Mishnah, because I'm continually saying, actually, what you have is mine 
as well as what I have. And we've got to be extremely careful of that. Well, there are some um, uh, beautiful, beautiful ideas for you on the Mishnah of Pirkei Avot, of Ethics of Our Fathers, Chapter 5, which we're going to be learning together on Shabbat afternoon, reading through, and as we said originally, that, um, of course, this is all done in honor, in memory of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses himself, um, because Shabbat afternoon was the time that the people realized that Moshe Rabbeinu had actually left them on that last year in the desert. Now, as we turn out of Shabbos, this Shabbos, this Shabbat, Saturday night, going into Sunday, we herald the arrival of the month of Elul. Believe it or not, it is the month of Elul. And while Elul stands for many things, we've got to remember the uh, most powerful phrase, of course, that Elul stands for is Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed Ani Ledodi Vedodi Li. I am to my beloved as my beloved is to me. Remember, in every way that that could possibly be utilized, we need to reiterate it, we need to remember it, and we need to know that that is what this month of Elul is all about. If we wanted to paraphrase, well, it's about our love for our fellow man, and it's about our love for God and God's love for us. It's about working on these attributes and these strands and these um, these uh, strings of attachment between ourselves and our fellow men and, of course, between ourselves and God Almighty. Now, as the month of Elul approaches, we need to start conditioning ourselves, getting ourselves into the mindset. It is the month of stock-taking. From a Jewish point of view, to take stock of all the mitzvahs that we had during the past year, as well as, God forbid, all the things that we could have done better at. All of those things need to actually be accounted for. We need to think through where we were last year this time. Have we grown? Have we developed this year this time? Have things become closer to us or more distant? Unfortunately, we're working in a very, very difficult environment right now. And we've got to remember that that difficult environment is something that we have to try and work with in order to take it and make it part of ourselves and in order to grow and blossom and flourish and do even better than we have ever done before. We can't, as Jews, take a look at all of these things and say, these are penalties or these are punishments or these are things that are telling us that we don't have to be so connected. No, we've got to work on those connections. We've got to make them even stronger. Our strength of connection between ourselves and our almighty God have to be stronger now than they ever were before. And our strengths and our connections between ourselves and our communities and ourselves and our fellow men have to be stronger than ever before. This is where we talk about having to dig deep and do things in an even better and even more powerful, even more beautiful way. And I think that that is what this month of Elul comes along to give us, to remind us of, and to help us with as we come to the end of this Jewish year and as we are one month away from Rosh Hashanah. Now, every day, of the month of Elul, as well as right through the first um, number of weeks of the month of Tishrei, we say extra psalms. One of the most important extra psalms that we say is the psalm chapter number 27, where we um, say every day, Ladovid Oiri, where we are talking about all the mitzvahs and all the things that have to do with Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and Sukkot and so on. Um, and we are preparing with an extra psalm. But there's something important about saying extra psalms because there is also a an extra psalm um, 
a system that has been developed by many, encouraging people to say extra psalms throughout the month of Elul and right up until Yom Kippur. And in fact, there is a whole schedule of it in many communities, and certainly in the Chabad Siddur, you have that uh, schedule of saying three extra psalms every day of the month of Elul, so that would start from Monday, three extra psalms all the way through until Yom Kippur, and on Yom Kippur we complete the book, um, and uh, that is of paramount importance. So we're developing and working on our connection, on our prayers, on the things that we do between ourselves and the Almighty. We also blow the shofar. The shofar is sounded from Monday. So from this coming Monday, believe it or not, yes, already the sounding of the shofar. And I know that Monday, of course, is a public holiday as well. So hopefully you'll get to hear the shofar on Monday and hopefully from there on in, except for Shabbat. And of course, on the day before Rosh Hashanah, the shofar is sounded throughout the month of Elul, telling us that Rosh Hashanah is coming, that it's almost there. It's almost here. It is upon us. Let's seize this time and let's make every moment of every day count. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And of course, the month of Elul is almost upon us. And on this session of Judaism 101.9, we've been discussing the build-up, the Elul program. And of course, that includes the sounding of the shofar, the saying of extra psalms, the giving of extra charity, ensuring that during this month, we're getting ourselves a little bit closer to where we should be both in terms of ourselves within ourselves as well as our relationship with the Almighty and our relationship with our fellow men. So let's make sure that we spend each moment of every day, every moment that we have available to us, doing good and right and beautiful things during this time, this month of Elul. It stands for Ani Dodi Vedodili. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me in terms of us and God, as well as in terms of us and the relationships that we have, our fellow men. But it also means, which means, I um, I have an accident that came into my hand and I've placed for you. And of course, there we're talking about cities of refuge. There is an opportunity during this month to have a kind of an amnesty, to come clean, to uh, expose what we have done, perhaps, that a little untoward that wasn't quite correct, and to feel protected, because ultimately it is in this month that we always say, the king is in the field. The Almighty is about to go walk about, so to speak, to be a little bit closer to us, more accessible, there for us, with an embrace rather than with a push away and rather than with a strong arm of security guards all around to protect and make sure that you don't get close to the king. Here we have open access. So it's this time of open line, open access, an ability to communicate. Let's do that a little bit better and let's prepare ourselves correctly and properly in a build-up to this year Rosh Hashanah. And please, God, we will be blessed that not only will we see an end to this pandemic and to all these lock, lockdown, lock-up rules, whatever you want to call them, the fact that we are separated from each other, the fact that things can't be and aren't um, in any way uh, what we're used to and what we know to be the way that we would like them to be. For the coming Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, the high festivals, the high holidays. And hopefully during this month of Elul, we'll do the right thing as far as ourselves are concerned. We'll do the right thing as far as the Almighty is concerned. And we'll do the right thing as far as our fellow men are concerned. And hopefully then God will do 
in inverted commas, the right thing as far as we are concerned and make sure that we have a Shana Tova, a happy, a healthy, a wonderful, a great and a good new year. And remember, that is a greeting that you should and you can be saying from the beginning of the month of Elul come this coming Sunday and Monday for Rosh Chodesh. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. I want to wish you also a wonderful Chodesh Tov, a good Chodesh for this month of Elul. May it be filled with brachas, with blessings, and the ultimate blessing, please God, of the coming of Mashiach immediately. Take care and look forward to seeing you again next week on another exciting episode of Judaism 101.9.